What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, welcome in. What's the spread? Welcome back. Back at it again. Mr. Brad Thomas, how we doing? Today, I really want to talk about some college football. And what I want to do is I want to do a little twofer. All right, we are nearing, we are getting closer to college football season today. We are going to preview the Pac-12. We are also going to preview the Big 12 Conference. And right off the bat, just a, just a couple minutes worth here, man. Realignment. It is on the way. <laughs> it's happening. It is happening whether people like it or not. I think people are afraid. I'm, you know, I wouldn't say I'm excited. I wouldn't say I'm terrified. I think I'm one of those guys where this is not the first time we've seen anything like this. It's not the first time where we, we've gone from what was it like the the Big Eight to uh, the Big Twelve. It's it's not the first time we've seen things like this. I, I think. Well, I think everything is just more magnified now in the age of media. Twitter and social yeah, media, absolutely. and you know the college football playoff and all the publicity that schools like UCF have gotten and, you know, group of five versus power five. And now we got uh, endorsement deals for college athletes. And, you know, it's going to change the the landscape of the sport. There's no doubt about it. This is the first of many moves and we can get into it more once we have more details, but it's exciting. And the reason I bring it up is because we're talking about the big 12 today where, you know, a lot of the future is uncertain in that conference where if we have, you know, two big programs like Oklahoma and Texas moving elsewhere, who knows what that means for the rest? Flagship programs moving, right. which is almost unfathomable to think about. It's going to force, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac. It's going to force all these other conferences to make moves. It's going to force programs to make moves. Uh, it's going to be good for some and not so good for others. But as of right now, we have a clear cut and clean 2021 20, college football season. Yes. We know what we're working with. And let's get into the Pac-12. Now, with the Pac-12, we all know they didn't have much of a season last year. There wasn't much. I mean, it amounted to Oregon, who didn't even technically belong in the t- yes. conference title game. <laughs> it should have been Washington, believe it or not, with a 3-1 record winning that division, but they weren't able to play because of COVID. They get into the title game against USC, who you and I were very high on USC in that game, and Oregon ends up getting the win thanks to Kayvon Thibodeau and that defensive line. God, man. that D- And that D-line just ate them alive. And it, They did, and that left an impression on me, and there is something to be said for that, especially when we're talking about uh, what seems to be based on the odds, what seems to be uh, a expected, what did you say, five team race? Yes. I mean, we've got uh, Oregon, we've got Washington in the north, and then in the south, we've got USC, uh, Utah, and Arizona State. And Arizona State. Yes. So let's go ahead and start in the north. Okay. Let's, let's start with Oregon and Washington, who we've already talked about these two programs in two really top 25s and. I believe that Oregon and Washington was on one of our lists, at, at least, for top 10 games, or conference games that we're yep. looking forward to. So, Oregon, is, it, to me, is still the class of this conference, uh, until proven otherwise. Especially the fact that they were able to get that conference championship uh, and that win, win last, it, it does yeah. a lot, especially if, if you say they didn't deserve to be in. One thing about Oregon that I'm really excited about is they get to be tested early. Um, you think about like, (laughs) even like the, there's no game inside of this conference for any of the teams that will test them the way that Ohio state's going to test them. Yeah. We'll really see what that front, that front line is really about. Like, I I think that we've talked about this and you guys have heard me express my love for Kayvon Thibodeau, but he's got pieces to match. 
I think that if you look at all the teams in the Pac-12, you're hard to find an offensive line that's going to be able to handle them. Now you want to talk about USC um, and how they embarrassed that USC offensive line. For me, I think that when you have a program who is dedicated to getting good talent on the D-line and, and, and landing the number one defensive player in Kayvon Thibodeau is, is evidence of that, I think that it's going to cause problems because this, to me, is a down year in defensive line and offensive lines in the Pac-12. You look at a yep. lot of teams are replacing top talent on the offensive line. If you look at how many great players were in the draft on the offensive line from the Pac-12. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, I, I noticed that in this division, that defense is probably going to rule the game. I mean, and, and that's that's really been the case here with this division when you've got teams like Oregon and Washington yep. uh, recruiting high-level talent defensively. Um, but that's the one thing that scares me for Ohio State is is that front seven and that defensive line because all it takes is one good game plan to disrupt the quarterback, and we saw that. Uh, Keaton Slavis had nowhere to go. No. Uh, in that in that Pac-12 championship game last year. And, and, you know, that is our last impression of the Pac-12. And I think there's a lot to be said for that because in a shortened season, those were the two programs that were able to come out ahead. So you got to think with more preparation, you know, the, the, those are going to be yeah. the two programs to beat. Now, obviously, there are other teams out there that, that, that we're looking at to make some noise that we're going to talk about. But sticking with the North here, Washington. Washington. So Tell Oregon me. is... Plus 180 to win the conference. Yep. They are the favorite, but not an overwhelming favorite. Washington right behind them at plus 300. We've talked about the Huskies before, but I think this is a little high for them because I think that Oregon is still so far and above them talent-wise. I- I'm excited that you said that too because you think about it. What what does Washington bring to the table? A great defense. I, I believe they had the number one rated defensive uh, team in the Pac-12. But outside of that, Averaging a little under 30 points per game is not going to get it done in the Pac-12. Yeah, they still have no answers on the offensive side. Jimmy Lake, this is his first full season. He's only coached four games. I mean, they were 3-1 and one last year. So that's kind of an unknown where it's like in this situation, I'm going to go with the team that's been recruiting at a high level recruiting with consistency ahead very coach. Well. Uh, so it's it's interesting to me that Oregon and Washington are so close together. If we're talking about this from a betting perspective, I don't feel comfortable putting a bet down on Washington to win the conference. There's no way I can do it, especially you don't even know who your starting quarterback day one. And I don't think uh, Morris or or I can't even remember the other quarterback heard or are, are, are going to be that answer. It's going to be one of those situations where you think about and this kind of reminds me of like a TCU. This is what it's really starting to be where you have you know, you're going to have a good defense, yep. but. It's not going to be enough to get you over the hump. The defense is not going to be elite enough in a conference that is known for putting up points. I mean, hell, even if they go up against a UCLA, I think that they're going to lose to a UCLA because you think about Chip Kelly's offense has gotten better. Dorian Thompson has gotten better every single year where what are we going to see on offense? And, and, And that's also the disadvantage for betters who have to compare to a COVID-riddle season where we only saw Washington four times. So we don't know yeah. exactly what we're going to get. It's a lot It's a lot of for me to say that I'm going to count them out, but I'm going to count them out when I think Oregon is just the class of the North. And it's, it's rare for us to say that because we take a lot of stock into, okay, who has the home game this year? Yes. And Washington has the home game this year. It's Oregon at Washington. But that's how far and above I think Oregon's program is right now, especially within the division. The South division race is so much more wide open yes. than the North is right now. Um, so I think that's where we stand. It's a two-team race in the North. But there are other teams here. I mean, we got California at plus 1,800. Stanford at plus 1,800. Uh-uh. <laughs> Stanford's okay. I look at Stanford. Yeah, 
And every year we want to think that Stanford can, you know, surprise or shock. and Because we like David Shaw. Yeah, but this team is bad. Defensively, they're they're god-awful, allowing somewhere around 31 and a half points per game. Yeah, just – and see, and that's not David Shaw's brand of football. And it's surprising that they're coming off, what, a 4-2 and two record last yeah. year? Which, you know, it, it seems that the record doesn't indicate where this program is at right now. Whereas Stanford – was uh, when they originally did this Pac-12 alignment, Stanford was supposed to be one of the premier programs in this side. And they haven't lived up to those expectations. It's one of those feelings where if you think about the Title IX thing that they had going on at at their school, it's one of the things where you think, like, are they really putting money into the football program? Like, Stanford is slowly turning into one of those schools who's more – and this is, like, kind of an off-base statement for me to make even. So I'm going to kind of justify it. But it's, like, one of those schools who's, like – Go out there and, and, and do your best. You know, like, yeah. go out there, fill the seats, compete. We are not looking for a national championship. Pac-12 title, if it comes, it comes. Great. And I don't think that's, you know, that's the type of coach David Shaw is, but that's the program that he's coaching at. Yeah, I think that they've had a lot of really good seasons in the past, but I I, I don't see that really coming to fruition anymore, especially with the high-level of recruiting that's happening uh, over at Oregon. They seem to have a stronghold on this division. But having that said... Is Oregon your pick to win the division? Oregon's my pick to win the, the division. I do want to go ahead and say, if you want to take take a flyer, you like, <laughs> if you want to take a flyer, Mike Flyers on Cal. Yeah, I, Cal's I, improved every year agreed. in the last three years. Um, I actually said my statement incorrectly um, earlier because I, I I totally forgot about Cal. Washington's number two in defense uh, in the Pac-12 from last year. Cal's number one. Um, I mean. It was Chase Gabbers playing quarterback. I think that they have something going, but I, I don't think they, they can take that hump. But I mean, at plus 1800, it's good enough odds for me yeah. to take a sprinkle. I think Cal has the most upside in the division. There's no doubt. Uh, whereas, you know, I, and I also don't want to get away from where I feel like we're like, Oh, Washington, but we're still very high on Washington as a program. Right yeah. now, aren't we well, like that? Cause, cause we, we've already established that uh, in the past, but, but I think it was coming from a betting perspective where I didn't understand why they were sitting at plus 300. And then you got Cal over here at plus 1800. It just seems like too much of a disparity. There yes. Yes. For 100%. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into the South. Uh, this is where there is, I mean, we got four legitimate teams here and, and I four feel like. teams that have progressively gotten better. Like, like, how do you like when you think about it? Like, how do you have three or four teams that have gotten better every year? It's exciting. It shows the parity yeah. of the South. Um, really love what what Herm Edwards is doing at Arizona. State. Oh, it's it's incredible because when when Arizona State hired Herm Edwards, I thought it was a really you know fun hire, whatever. But what he's done with his program up to this point is really impressive. This was not a the, 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 this was no joke. Yes, as a hire. I mean, he, he was a legit. He's a legitimate college football coach. Yes, and you know, people were like, "How is Herm, a guy who's past his prime?" And I'm saying that not as disrespect. I'm saying what sure. other people were saying. Right, a guy who's past his prime. How is he going to recruit at a high level? How is he going to implement things? How is he going to keep up with the, how the game has changed? He's done a fantastic job for me. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think that we will know after week two who is going to be the class of the South. And I think that if USC does not address the offensive line problems they had last year. It's going to be Arizona State. Arizona State has their crossover game versus Washington at home. They play um, USC and Utah both at home. Those are very, very favorable games for them. Getting Jaden Daniels back to is huge. I like them at plus 350. 
I hate to say that I'm going against Slavis because I think Slavis has a chance to be a Heisman candidate. But until you can protect your your quarterback, you cannot be you cannot be there with a team who has a favorable schedule. Like it's almost a level playing field with the advantage going to USC until you have to talk about who has the better schedule. Yeah, but the the fact that Arizona State does play Washington, whereas you, whereas USC and Utah don't, don't have to play yeah. Washington, that I mean it's one extra game, but. That was kind of a tough draw. But any three of these teams here, USC at plus 300, as you mentioned, Arizona State at plus 350, and Utah over here at plus 375, I couldn't argue against you know putting a bet down on any of those teams no. to win the conference because I think any of those three teams have a chance to win this division, which gives you a shot at that title, uh, most likely against Oregon. Um, you mentioned Slavis, and mm-hmm. the offensive line is not good. No. It's what's holding back this team right now. But here's, here's also... 16 sacks last season. Yeah, or back. 15, something like right. that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a problem. And with this USC program, there is some kind of mental hurdle that they are struggling to get over right now. Because we know how talented this team is. It, it, very talented. And year in and year out, USC has arguably the best quarterback in the entire conference. <laughs> and they do have the best quarterback in the entire conference Easily. this year. It's not even a competition. You should be able to turn that into a conference championship year in and year out. In today's college football, the quarterback position is so important. And year in and year out, they have the best quarterback in the conference and they can't figure it out. It's wild to me. Good thing for USC, though, is that terrible offensive line. They're all back. Right. In which... That helps. Yes. Um, you know, but there, there's some kind of mental hurdle that this team has to get over. And they also have to be focused. Uh, who are we saying this about in the ACC? I think it was North Carolina. Yes. Don't play down to your opponents. No. USC is classic at playing down to their opponents. It is bad. It is bad. And, you know, these these other programs aren't going to do that. So let's talk about Arizona State for a little bit. Jane Daniels, arguably the second best quarterback. Yes. And in, the most fun to watch. In this conference. Yeah. So Arizona State's got so much upside I see where the hype's coming from. And then we got Utah. Now, Utah is a program that I never forget about because Kyle Whittingham is what he does at Utah with what he is given is unreal. I mean, this guy's winning in some years 10, 11 games in this program in a very tough division. And it's because he does it with defense. So where everybody else uh, is, you know, trying to catch up with the Utes at defense, they've already had that. So if they can just find a little bit of rhythm on offense, it could be a game changer. We look at Utah and we think about their schedule, though. Like, I, I, I had to pull it up because I know it's an interesting schedule to look at. Like, I mean, tough game. San Diego State, that's not like a—at San Diego State, that's not a, a given. At USC, not a given. Like, everywhere on their schedule are tough matchups at Stanford. They do get Arizona State at home, which is nice. They get Arizona they get, State at home. They get UCLA at home. They get Oregon at home, which is nice. But it's just like, my God. They, they play everyone— who is everyone? The only players team they don't play is Washington. Uh, does does Utah play Oregon? Utah plays Oregon on okay. the second. Okay, well that's interesting because uh, can I can we do some quick math here? USC they don't play Oregon or Washington, do they? No, uh, that, I, they don't because because no. that that would have stood out to me. So if you're if we're thinking about this from a scheduling perspective, that's interesting. They have the you've got Arizona leg. State who gets a crossover game against Washington, and you've got Utah who has a crossover game against Oregon. USC misses. Oregon and Washington in the regular season. That's big time. That's a win. Yeah, that's, that's a win. That's big time. So uh, keep that in mind uh, when betting this division just because uh, scheduling plays such a big part in that. Um, when I was, I, what I did remember about USC schedule, <clears throat> yeah. I had to look at it one more time, was the tough games that they play, um, 
they get, I mean, the, 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 their road games are easier road games. Yes. Outside of the Arizona State game, which is what you want. Like, you want to play, like, a Utah at home. Like, that, that's something you want, you know? And I think that will go a long way. Um, so this is what I was saying. We'll know about we'll know about USC's offensive line in the first um, the first game. They play defending champs San Diego State first game. San Diego State hung their hat on their elite defense last year. Yep. We'll see. I, I know it's going to be a step down in competition, but we'll be able to see. They're going to have a little bit of a break with Stanford because Stanford's run defense is terrible. So what USC is going to be able to do is they're going to be able to run the ball a lot and establish the run, then throw the ball. They have a lot of good running back talent. We'll see what's going to happen there. Check back in with me at week two. <laughs> um, for now, I'm going to take Arizona State. Um, I just think that Herm Edwards is doing something special there. I like their tough games at home. It, it means a lot. And then I just, man, listen, after being a Bucks fan for so long, we've had a bad offensive line. We had great quarterback play. Bad offensive line leads to turnovers just like it did, did with Slavis. But, man, if they figure that offensive line out, you could go ahead and bet some money on Slavis to be a Heisman contender um, and then winning the division in the conference. Yeah, So, and, and this is the, the difference for me, whereas I feel way more comfortable putting a bet down Arizona State at plus 350 than I do on Washington at plus 300. 100%. So, uh, definitely feeling good about an Arizona State bet. If I'm picking a team to win the conference, or even betting because I like plus 300, I'm still going with USC. They won the division last year in a shortened season. I still think they have the best quarterback in the division, but they've got some things to figure out. Really excited to see where it goes from here. But my man, we got to talk about UCLA. Let's because do this. This, yes. Because this could be a wild card in yes. this division. I really do think that Chip Kelly and UCLA is a complete wild card in this division. At plus 900, you're looking at some serious value here. Looking at UCLA, when you want to talk about fun, never out of a game. Yeah. That's oh, UCLA. Yeah. Their offense is electric. They're adding the Michigan transfer over to their team as well. Charbonnet, right? Yeah, Charbonnet. Running back, yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, Go ahead. Well, I, I just feel like we were, a couple of years ago, we were saying that we weren't seeing any kind of real progression with this program and what Chip Kelly's doing. But now I feel like they have a little bit of momentum. But here's the thing. You got to capitalize on that momentum. It's fine if it takes you a little bit to, to get off the ground running because UCLA's program wasn't in a great spot when Chip Kelly no. took over. He didn't have I mean, a lot to work and, with. 10 and 20 in, in their first 30 games under Chip Kelly. Rough. Uh, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson could be a difference maker. He's this fun. is a Chip Kelly kind of quarterback. He's fun. And, and, and to, to your point, the Brewers are never going to be out of a game. No. Ever. So they're going to get a couple of big wins in this division, and they are going to be big players against the Utah and the Arizona State and the USC. It's going to be a tough out for any of those teams. Yes. So we can't forget about UCLA, and then we got Colorado and Arizona. Who Colorado's coming off their four and two year, but I I don't, I don't have, have them. much for them. I have four or five wins there, yeah. and then Arizona. What was that? Plus five thousand odds. Arizona's um, god awful in the cellar. Remember, we were so excited about them, and just burned <laughs> us down for three years straight. One thing I do right. want to say about um, the South Division. It's kind of funny to think about. Is there going to be a lot of high scoring games because there's a lot of leaky defenses, good offenses but also high turnover to to touchdown teams. It's going to be a lot of fun, fun football to watch. All right. Conference championship game. You got Oregon and Arizona State. I do. What a matchup. Who do you got winning that game? Oregon. <laughs> I have – my faith in Oregon is so high this year where if it's one of those things where they burn me, they burn me. So – it was a kind of a situation where before COVID, uh, I think it was going into 2019 when we were previewing the Pac-12. I, you know, 
I didn't see any team separating themselves. Yeah. But I think that Oregon is starting to do that as a program where they've just got the brand, they've got the facilities, they've got the resources, but they also got the recruiting that's backing it up, yeah. the coaching staff that's backing it up. It was it was still a bit of a head scratcher uh, scratcher when Tyler Shove decided to transfer out. Uh, but Anthony Brown was a – and people forget, he was a big player for them he down is the stretch. a freaking monster. Did you see – in that conference championship game, it was, not, it was not Shao doing the work. Yeah. It was Anthony Brown yes. doing the work. So if he can continue that success on the offensive side of the ball, he's got way more upside um, in that offense. Because, you know, Oregon had Herbert obviously before that, but, uh, you know, Brown has, has that mobile ability. And, and he really just showed a playmaking ability. Uh, that we hadn't seen in Oregon in a while. So that's another X factor. But here's the thing is that, as I said, this defensive line is so far, is so talented. Yeah. It's like a Big Ten defensive line or an, or an SEC defensive it's line. It's fun. In it, the it's, West. It's in like, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like, when you think about a championship game, it's really hard for me to find an offensive line good enough to stop them consistently. So now they just need to continue to have good play at the quarterback position. Yeah. So. I've got Oregon and USC playing again in the Pac-12 championship game, and I've got Oregon winning that game uh, until USC can figure out their offensive line problems. If USC can get those starters together and build a decent offensive line, as you said, to take on Thibodeau in that defensive line, then I'll give Slavis a shot. But how many interceptions did he throw in that first half last year? Bro, three, three, right? It was three. It was you, freaking you, gross. You, you can't do that. And they were they were pressure picks. Yeah. That's what absolutely was crazy. So... I think that Oregon is the class of this conference. I think they're going to prove it. I don't know if Clay Helton can survive the year, even if they win 10 games. USC is looking for a conference championship at this yes. point. Um, so I don't know if Clay Especially Helton... Especially with a quarterback like Slavik. Right, exactly. So uh, Helton's got to figure out. Uh, he's he's got he's to win the conference this year. But until proven otherwise, I think it's Oregon. But on a higher level, Brad, I don't think the Pac-12 has a shot at the playoff this year. No. No, I I think uh, Oregon is a two-loss team, and you don't get in with two losses. Yep. So that's that for the Pac-12. Going to be a really fun league to watch. There's no doubt. Uh, Brad and myself on our betting Saturdays, we love staying up late watching Pac-12 after dark. Um, But still no chance at the playoff. But I think they're getting there. But I think if they're getting there in the future, it's going to be in Oregon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. The Big 12. Big 12. Big 12. No divisions here. Just 10 teams fighting it out for we don't know for how much longer, right? Yeah. We know who the favorite is. Oklahoma is the favorite. Minus 170. I don't know what your thoughts are. I thought they would have been a bigger favorite. I mean, these guys have won the Big 12 six years in a row. Six years in a row. Listen, guys. Um, this is going to be an official pick that I put on my Twitter for Brad's Best Bets. Like it. I have Oklahoma winning it. I have Oklahoma running the table. I have Oklahoma in the playoffs. I saw somewhere. Listen. I want to smack this reporter so bad in the face. They did their their predictions, and they had Oklahoma losing that game to Oklahoma State at the end of the year. I wanted to smack them in the face because I already know all Lincoln Riley is thinking about is getting to the national championship game. It doesn't mean anything if you come dressed to the party if you don't get on the dance floor. And the dance floor is the national championship game. Lincoln Riley could win 25 straight Big 12 championships. If he never has a taste of glory in the championship game, his legacy is forever tarnished and he knows that. The hype is real around a lot of these teams. Uh, Iowa State. Heck, I'm going to tell you something crazy about a team that I'm overhyping. Give me Oklahoma minus 170 all day because I think they should have Clemson odds. 
Agreed. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into the bottom of the league, but you know, I've got Oklahoma winning the division as well. I don't think it's even close. We could talk about Iowa State too, and I'll just bring them up here. They're sitting here with plus two eighty odds. So is Texas a plus two eighty odds? I think Texas is leaning on Steve Sarkeesian and their brand with those plus yes. two eighty odds. No way in hell you're going to get me to put a bet down on them or Iowa State. I wouldn't put a bet down on anybody else in this conference except Oklahoma. You want to talk about talent discrepancy and talent level? The Oklahoma Sooners might be coming in with the best team that Lincoln Riley has ever had. You've seen how dominant this Oklahoma program has been. uh, I won't talk about the playoff. Let's talk about in the regular season for a minute and getting there. All right. They've been so dominant with all these quarterbacks. But this year... It's the supporting cast that is so damn impressive. Alex yes. Grinch, what he's done on this defense, the defense is changing the league. The Big 12. They're playing defense now. This defense. And listen, okay, we, we were talking about alignment. I'm getting a little excited. We were talking about alignment. Yeah. And and uh, there was a post on about Scooter Magruder where he said, where would Oklahoma rank in the East? I said Oklahoma would win the East. They would win the East every year. Someone told me that they don't play defense in the Big 12. So I went and looked it up. I went and looked it up. If Oklahoma were to play in the SEC, they would have the third rated defense in the SEC. I know the comparisons are hard because the competition is different. It's the third rated defense. And so you're saying that you think a team like Georgia, who has a second rated defense, is going to be able to keep up offensively with Oklahoma. Now you're transferring that over to the Big 12. You're taking on teams like Texas, who don't play any defense. Kansas State, who play defense when they maybe want to. Iowa State, who, when they play against a good defense, you're going to have to rely on Brock Purdy to actually stretch the field and throw the ball downfield. We all know Brock Purdy loves his tight ends. I don't think there's a team on paper better than Oklahoma. As long as Spencer Rattler is the quarterback and that defense is stout, there's no way in hot hell that they lose the Big 12. Look at, look at the list of the quarterbacks that are coming out next year. It's Spencer Rattler and everyone else. They're not saying it's Spencer Rattler and Brock Purdy. And we, we talked about how this is a season in college football where it's hard to find returning quarterbacks. Spencer Rattler is that quiet returning quarterback yes. that just because he, I, he had a slow start in his Oklahoma career. Yep. This guy has a chance to be just as good as all the Oklahoma quarterbacks before him. The only Oklahoma quarterback to actually start multiple seasons since what? Before Baker? So so he's got his second season here. And there's a lot to be said for that. Now, you got Iowa State. There's a lot of hype around these guys. I get it. They're they're coming off the, you know, best season in program history. Iowa State, and and I'll just tell you right now, I I think that Iowa State makes the conference title game again. But I I think they lose to Oklahoma twice. Um, Oklahoma's going to run the table. They don't have a game on their schedule where I even think there's a chance at a loss unless it's just some kind of trip up. But I just think that at this point, as I said, this might be Lincoln Riley's best team. And if you want to talk about the SEC for a second, I think that's interesting. It was only three years ago that we had that Oklahoma-Georgia game in the playoff. That was one of the greatest playoff games of all time where Oklahoma went toe-to-toe with a not-so-good defense. And if, if you remember... Okay, Georgia went into that game with one of the highest rated defenses yes. in the entire and they league. Freaking shredded them apart. It gave up what, like forty five points? Yes. I mean, it was so. Don't give me that. Oh, Oklahoma wouldn't survive in the SEC East or or the West. It does. It, That's a casual statement. They, casual. They state can statements score like points. That. Yes. 
In today's college football, it's not about the defense anymore. Defense is not winning you championships. Defense is a supplement to your championship. Yep. All right, Georgia is proving that because I am so sick of year and and I've had my thoughts on Georgia. I'm high on Georgia this year because I think they have a good offense. Yes, but in all those seasons where it was all about their defense. Do they have a national championship to show for it, Brad? No, not single one. And you want to talk about scoring points. Oklahoma has freaking scored over 40 points in six straight seasons. Um, last year, they were fourth in offensive rating. And how you how you, you want to calculate offensive rating is different. I use the metric. It's offensive uh, production per snap versus uh, per lost possession, which basically means every time they snap the ball – they're more likely to put points on the board than lose possession of the ball. And it's based out of a 100% rating. I think there's something like 87 or 88, 88%. The, the highest was 90. Yeah, and you and, and that says a lot about the coaching too. Like you have to think about the coaching pedigree in this conference and how Lincoln Riley is hands down. He, he's one of the best coaches in the entire country, but what he's doing at Oklahoma, I feel like it's just not talked about enough because no. yes, they, they keep tripping up in the playoff, but... Damn it, they're running into really good teams in the playoff, all right? So they haven't made it. This is not a Notre Dame situation. No. Where Notre Dame goes in and, you know, gets their ass. Oklahoma has actually been competitive in the playoff, all right? Uh, Obviously, they had a poor showing against LSU the last time they were in. But in 2018, they were right there. And as I stated, if they just would have gone past that game, I think that Oklahoma team beats Alabama in the national championship game. I think they were that good that year. Anyways, they've been competitive. We don't have to get into that. But, but what I'm saying is, is that I, they've been good enough. This is not a Notre Dame situation where you go in the playoff and and you don't belong, like you, and you're not good enough. We talked about Oklahoma's schedule, so I wanted to break this down. Yeah, listen to how this sets up to play probably your hardest game on the schedule, which you get at home. Bye week at Baylor. So oh, okay, bye week 2.0. Then you invite Oklahoma. I mean Iowa State into your house. That is the best way to set up the second to last game of the season, which is arguably your hardest game on your schedule. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that game. Uh, let's talk about Oklahoma State before we get into Texas a little bit, because to your point, I think this Oklahoma schedule does uh, it is very favorable. Yeah, the the Texas game we all know is neutral site. You get Iowa State at home. They end the season at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State coming in here with plus nine hundred odds. Don't forget about the Cowboys. Don't forget about Mister Gundy. This is a very consistent program. And here's the thing. Spencer Sanders is entering his third year. Yes. But the question is, can he stay healthy? Can he stay healthy? If Oklahoma State gets a healthy season out of Spencer Sanders, it could change the Big 12 race. It could 100%. Not to say that I, I, I don't think Oklahoma's losing the conference, but I'm just talking about how close this race can be. And how meaningful that game can be at the end of the year when uh, when they play that game in Stillwater. The the toughest thing for them, though, is that stretch of games that they're going to run into where by week Texas at Iowa State. Yeah, tough schedule. Listen, good thing for them, though, with how bad Spencer Sanders gets hurt is the bye week. They're going to have some time to get healthy. Spencer Sanders only gets hurt because, once again, we run into more offensive line play. Yeah. Um, I want to say this is the – last year was the lowest point production um, that Gundy has had his entire career at Oklahoma State. And, and if it's, like, third lowest, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so – I think it was like the lowest, if I remember correctly. You have to get better, better quarterback play, regardless of who's under center. Um, I, I, I think that you know they're going to be in the conversation. They're going to fall a little bit short. <sighs> well, speaking of quarterback play, 
I want to talk about Texas now because I know that you're high on somebody at Texas. Talk to me about that. I know you already put a futures bet down. I have Casey Thompson to win the Heisman. Listen, <laughs> so you know why I even started looking up these offensive rating numbers? And I, I literally judged it against four different offensive rating scales to see how accurate it was because I thought Steve Sarkeesian was one of the best offensive minds. And what makes a good offensive mind in college football is not just play calling. It's utilizing the weapons that you have. When you have a game where you have Devonta Smith receiving for over 200 yards by halftime, it's not because your quarterback's just that amazing. and It's not because your wide receiver, and yes, they both were great, is that amazing. It's because your offensive coordinator schemed the, the play calling to put him in opportune positions every single time. And if, if you want to see a perfect example of that, just watch the tape back of the national championship game where I think it was one of the best offensively played offensively called games in college football I've ever seen because of that point yes. where it wasn't about who was distributing the ball. It was about how are you using your playmakers? He's yep. a genius. He's an offensive genius. Can Steve Sarkeesian be the guy who can go toe to toe with Lincoln Riley? Maybe not this year, Maybe not but this year. what if he's the guy that can do that? I think that, uh, you know, the numbers don't 100% dictate it. Like, uh, Casey Thompson, only threw for like 250 yards. But the the the, the plays that small he was sample making, size. yeah, the plays he was making that one game was great. I think that when you have a, 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 a offensive play caller who is getting you into that 90 percent range for offensive efficiency, is you're you're almost scoring every time you touch the ball. What's really good is their offensive line has gotten four starters back. Right. Well, guess what? Guess what a a, a young quarterback needs a, a safety valve for Alabama. Now, in calling Mac Jones a young quarterback is unfair because he did his time, but, you know, a, a first-year starter. For Alabama, they had the safety valve, and early to start of the game was Jalen Waddell. Then, then, then later in the season, um, it started to go from more from Devonta Smith to more of a Najee Harris. Now you get Keelan Robinson, who honestly could play the slot receiver or he could play out in the back. Great, great. You know he's going to utilize – he's going to be utilized a lot. I like that. Only problem I have here is Texas schedule. I don't like Texas schedule because, you know, they have to go at TCU, right? That's going to be a tough game. Well, guess what happens right after TCU? That Oklahoma game where they're going to lose. But I think that they play enough games to put up enough points where there is going to be a serious look on Casey Thompson for the Heisman. And I would be lying. If I didn't tell you that I didn't put a little money on Texas to win the national championship. And Texas, to me, though, what's going to hold them back is their defense. Texas has got to make sure as a program that they do not get left behind where the Big 12 is going right now, uh, which is ironic to say because they're leaving the Big 12 behind. But 32.4 points per game allowed in 2020. And teams like Oklahoma, and you just mentioned TCU, they're more in the 21, 23 points per game range. Yeah. Whereas Texas is over here giving up 32 points per game. They cannot be left behind because defense was also something that plagued Tom Herman in big games. Where if you look at Tom Herman's tenure at Texas, he did everything right, except in big games, they got burnt. Uh, they couldn't stop anybody. Yeah. Losses to Maryland plagued Tom Herman's tenure. I mean... Things like that you can't do. So as good as Sark- uh, Sarkeesian is on the offensive side of the ball, they, they they can't afford to get left behind there. Not to say that the talent's not there because they do have no, talent. They, have, and, and, they just don't know how to put it together on the field right now. And so and what I'm saying is, you know, 
I'm going to give Sark a, sh- a chance to see if he yeah. can be the guy to turn that around. It could be a difference maker. Now, you mentioned you're putting a little bit of money on them to win the national championship. Is that because their offense? It's because that their odds are high enough to where their offense is good enough. They only have to make it to the title game. They don't have to actually win it. Uh, from a betting perspective, yes. you're saying if they, they make just, it to the title game, then you can hedge it. Yes. I got you. Well, hey, uh, plus 280 odds here, the same as Iowa State. I but, feel like we didn't talk about Iowa State enough. We didn't. You want to talk about Iowa State? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Iowa State. I feel like we've been talking about Brock Purdy for six years. Doesn't it feel that? This doesn't feel that way? Yes. Has he been starting for four years? Or not starting, but he's been playing, playing for, for four years, right? Starting for three years, playing for, for four okay. years. Okay, yeah. I, was, I thought it was going great. Okay, so we got Brock Purdy. Iowa State, this is the one thing that all the big pundits are are forgetting about Iowa State. They're not explosive. No. They don't make enough explosive plays, even in everyday games. But to, to go into a big game, like against an Oklahoma or a Texas or even a TCU, you need explosive plays. Yes. And they don't, they don't get that. From Brock Purdy. From Brock, check down Purdy. He loves to check the ball. And that's no disrespect you have. It's not. Um, it's not disrespect. Because they're still a good team. They have uh, arguably the best, one of the best tight ends in the country. Of course, I'd want to check it down to him all the time. But I just don't think that Brock Purdy has that, that, and a confidence might not be the right word. He doesn't have that go get it mentality when he plays quarterback. He plays just to play the game. Not like when you think about like, um, like a, a Tua. You know, I'm used to as an example. It's kind of unfair, but Tua wants to make a deep pass every time he drops back. Brock Purdy, I think that the play has to be called and designed strictly for deep plays. And you can look, uh, you know, going back to conference championship weekend. I I think it was big last year to to take take or to have takeaways from that. Where Iowa State was never in that game. No, there was not one second in that game that I thought they had a chance of winning. That says a lot, guys. If you're talking about the championship game, who has legitimately challenged Oklahoma in that Big 12 championship game? Nobody. No one. No, it's, it's never been close. It's always a joke. Always. Oklahoma, what, if they slip up in the regular season, they prove it was a fluke because even if the score doesn't indicate it, if you watch the Big 12 title games, there's never a chance for the opposing team. Correct. Oklahoma comes to win a championship and they get it done. The only thing holding them back from going undefeated every year is that they trip up along the way. I don't think that happens this year. And it sure as hell doesn't happen in the title game. But a team like Iowa State, and I'm just, just, I just, there's so much hype around them. And we're trying to talk about this team like they actually have the talent to win the conference. The, where all I don't they think have they do. are returning players. I, I, that's it. Like, Brees Hall is a great running back. But you know the reason Brees Hall didn't go to the draft is because he probably would have been like a third or fourth round draft pick. Not because he was trying to win a national championship. Baloney. I hope that college football opens up a little bit. But uh, similar to the ACC, where I don't think anybody beats Clemson. We already talked about that. <laughs> um, you know, the... Uh, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. The, You're good. The Big 12 is similar to me, whereas no one has a chance to beat Oklahoma. Whereas the Pac-12, I can see Oregon getting beat. Yes. By an Oregon, or a Utah, or Arizona State, or yes. even a Washington. I can see that happening. But this league right now, this is Oklahoma's to lose. Uh, we did mention or briefly touched on TCU. They're sitting with plus twelve hundred odds. I had a we, statement for TCU. Oh, too. sure. Well, I was just going to say we love Gary Patterson on this podcast, yes. and for very good reason. I still think he's one of the best coaches in the country. Very, T- very quietly, TCU. If if uh, Max Duggan can can play a little bit better, breakout candidate. 
Yes. At quarterback. If he can play a little bit better, I have – I'm – listen, guys, and I, I'm the guy who wants to chase long odds. So, of course, our official play is going to be Oklahoma, but I will have some personal money on TCU. But for me, for TCU to have to win the conference, Duncan has to play at an elite level. Defense has to be good. And this is going to sound super messed up, but COVID has to come back and there's no fans in the stands. They Their away schedule is freaking brutal. Oh, we got at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, at Iowa State. That's that's rough. That's brutal. But TCU has the defense where they can stay in a game, yes. but you've got to find a way to put points on the board. Uh, winners of five of their last six games in the season. And that's Gary Patterson doing Gary Patterson things. Yep. Whenever you think this team is, is, is counted out, he finds a way to get them back in. Much, so, much like Northwestern making it to the title game, great. I think yeah, that good. TCU has a very good shot of making it to the title game. Someone on this list is a pretender. In this list, we have odds of minus 170, plus 280, plus 280. Of those three, someone is a pretender. So we're going to already eliminate one person. Now you have to find... Is Iowa State or Texas or Oklahoma, are they as real as we say they are? Well, and then we've got West Virginia. So they're sitting with plus 1,500. And the reason I bring them up is because they had the number one scoring defense in the league last year. So you've also got them on the cusp where I don't expect anything out of them because they're uh, they're losing five, I would say, bona fide stars from that defense. Yeah. That was so good last year. So I don't know what kind of turnover they have here. But Neil Brown also has that program where don't forget about them. And, and honestly, if you think about uh, West Virginia last year, you could say at least three of those losses weren't deserved. There were a couple of losses from having a fantastic – and I think – were they six and four last year? I think six and four, six and four yeah. is a great season for them. And then just touching on a few other teams here, Kansas State plus 2,500. Uh, lost a lot of talent. Uh, Baylor plus 3,600. No. Here's the thing with Baylor, guys. Uh, losing Matt Rule just deflated that program. Now, I'm not saying that David Randa can't turn around. I think he's a really talented coach. I don't think he's going to turn around. I, I don't think so either. Uh, I, if I had to make an official prediction or like put a bet down, I'm going to say that Aranda is not going to make it at Baylor. They're in too big of a hole. Yep. Two and seven season. Um, his first year was... You too know, much turmoil going on that football team as well, too, yeah. with the drama that's happening with the program. Just really, really bad situation for Baylor. Texas Tech, plus 3,600. That's where Mr. Uh, Tyler Schoff transferred, by the yeah. way, which uh, I thought was interesting because I didn't see where he went. Uh, I'll just uh, full disclosure, had no idea where he went. Saw that. I was like, yeah, that really doesn't change things for me. Uh, and then, of course, we have Kansas. Uh, I do want to say we, yeah. we, we did talk about uh, Kansas State a little bit. I want to say that okay. probably the, the, the most electric duo outside of um, anything that Oklahoma's bringing is Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's probably. <laughs> The best back, if if you want to excl- if you want to say he's better than Brees Hall, I do think Skylar Tom. Uh, he's he's got a lot of upside. Yeah, uh, but just from an overall perspective, the the defense didn't play well last no, year. They suck. Uh, no, no, I was just saying exciting to watch. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, for sure. I think well, it, it, and it's also where we're, we're just looking for upside here, right? So, and then Kansas. I think Kansas wins one game. I think maybe they beat South Dakota, and then that's it. I think I, I think they get run off. But Kansas not they they are not fun. I. <laughs> So, uh, do you have Texas in the title game with Oklahoma, or or do you have Iowa State, or do you have somebody else? I there have with TCU. Them? You have TCU in the TCU title game. TCU versus Oklahoma. Yeah, I would love to see that. Listen, when I talk about Texas, this is just money. No, no, no. I was just I, I asking because I, I, I didn't know what I your think it's prediction Oklahoma, was. TCU. Oklahoma wins handedly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting race with like two through six to see who gets to play Oklahoma in the yeah. title game. 
and he, and here's the thing. We were talking about all they got to do is get there. TCU plus twelve hundred. All they got to do is get there and then do a little hedge. We're talking the, about this from a, listen from a betting perspective. Listen, look, listen to the Texas schedule. I'm sorry for bringing this back up, but why? I, I, I who schedule is this? Texas now? schedule. Listen, Texas. Listen, okay. Listen to the trap that is. Oh, I already said that. But there's a trap that's set for them. Louisiana, mm-hmm. then they go to Arkansas, right? Then they get Rice and Texas Tech at home. They have yet to play a real defense. Casey Thompson's already probably had three 350-yard games. Then, boom, travel to TCU. Oh, my God. That just sounds like trap all over it. All right. Well, there you go. What's the spread? Uh, it's, it's, it seems like we're agreeing. Have we agreed on all three conferences? Yes. Clemson? Yep. Oregon. Yep. Oklahoma. Yep. So chalky. So far, so good. So, so but chalky, these are the chalky but, conferences. Yeah. When teams are consistently winning the conference title, it, until there's someone who's going to step up. I mean, listen, no, uh, not to have any spoilers here, but I just have a feeling which way we're going to go in the Big Ten and the SEC. But yep. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe you'll break my heart. Maybe I'll break yours. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it, it just it just seems like in college football this year, when we're talking about champions of, you know, uh, the conferences and a four-team playoff, it's still only five or six teams that can win the yes. championship. Yes. Uh, and I would even argue that it's probably only about five. So. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to What's the Spread. Be sure to download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or however else you get your podcasts.